Hey, it's Steve Scott, and you're listening to the 360 Entrepreneur Podcast with Jan Alunga. This is episode 19, and today we talk about successful Kindle publishing. Here we go. Welcome to the 360 Entrepreneur Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs and small business owners who dream big and want to do bigger. Join some of the world's top entrepreneurs, internet marketers, and best-selling authors as they share their inspiring stories, their struggles, and give actionable tips that will help you build, grow, and promote your online business. Here's your host, Yanni Lunga. Hey everybody, what's up? It's Yanni Lunga here with a new episode of the 360 Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 19 already. The next one is going to be episode 20. The podcast is getting already old. <laughs> now really, I hope your week is going very, very well. Thank you for taking time off your day for being here with me. Another fantastic episode and we conclude the mini-series about self-publishing book marketing. This is the last episode, the last few episodes we've talked about different aspects of being an indie author. And today we talk about successful Kindle publishing. Joining us today is someone who really knows Kindle publishing in and out, has released many, many ebooks that have been really at the top of Amazon. And before I tell you more about him, let's take a second to thank today's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by audible.com. Go over to audibletrial.com slash 360entrepreneur and get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial of Audible so that you can pick books from their catalog that includes well over 150,000 titles that you can download and listen on your iPhone, Android, Kindle or MP3 player. Once again, that's at audibletrial.com slash 360entrepreneur. All right, so today we are joined by best-selling author, speaker, blogger, and podcaster, Steve Scott, who really joins us not only to share all the great things he does and his new podcast, The Self-Publishing Questions Show, but also to really share valuable tips for helping you successfully publish on Kindle. And you're going to hear some very, very specific tips from Steve, so get ready to get value bombs. And as I said in the last episode, Every episode from now on is going to feature a free worksheet, a free download that you can get so that you don't need to bookmark any page. You just go to the show notes page of the episode, you download the PDF and you find the most valuable takeaways and resources that have come up during the conversation. So for today's episode, simply go to 360entrepreneur.net slash episode 19 and you will find it there. So again, that's at 360entrepreneur.net slash episode 19. Here is Successful Kindle Publishing with Steve Scott. Hey everybody, I hope you're having a great day and I can tell you this, get your pen and paper ready, open your digital notebook because there's going to be so much value in this new episode of the 360 Entrepreneur Podcast. And today we talk about successful Kindle publishing. We talked about Kindle with Nick Lauper, but today we go more in depth about the, the whole process. And man, what a guest we have here. We have someone that knows Kindle publishing in and out. And we were actually talking before this interview and I told him, you know what? I have so many books of yours. And he was laughing because he told me that, yeah, if I think about the titles, those books 
I've written those books years ago, so it, it felt funny, but it's great to have him here on the podcast. And he's a self-publishing author, a best-selling author. He's also a podcaster. He started this new podcast this year, the Self-Publishing Questions podcast. And he's here with us. It's with great pleasure and a welcome on the show, Steve Scott. Hey, Steve. How's it going? Pretty good. Thanks for having me on, Jan. And uh, it's actually kind of cool that you talked to Nick uh, as well. Um, he's actually in my mastermind group and he's someone I talk to um, on a fairly regular basis. So he definitely has a lot of uh, good stuff to share as well. Uh, first of all, I have to tell you, thank you, Steve, for everything you do. And I want to share your 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 comments and give a shout out to, to Nick. Nick, if you're listening, thank you again for, for your great expertise. And and, and Steve, I, I, was, I, I was telling you before the the podcast, I think that what is interesting about you that you've written about so many different topics. I was, I was, I was telling to Steve guys, I have his book about, I think, email uh, marketing blueprint, one about YouTube, one about blogging. So you've written about quite many different topics, but lately you have been focusing on the niche of habits and you've launched also the, the blog developgoodhabits.com. So the first question I think people are curious to know, you know, who are you, Stephen, and why did you end up choosing habits as a niche? Uh, that's actually a fairly long question. I'll just give the very condensed version because, you know, I want to respect people's <laughs> times. Um, so the, the the quick story is I've been an internet entrepreneur for about 10 years now. Actually, I'm coming up on 11 years now. And in uh, a very thing, so affiliate marketing, blogging, that sort of thing, uh, all the way upwards of 2012, like I, I would say from 2006 to 2012, I managed to support myself full-time from my affiliate marketing efforts. But in 2012, I got into Kindle Publishing more as a traffic generation strategy. And then I realized fairly, not very quickly, but I would say four or five months into it, I realized that uh, through a, a kind of lot of effort and actually building a brand around Kindle books, uh, you can actually um, build a legitimate income just by publishing kind of small niche of particular topics. So I would say from the fall of 2012, so pretty much from September 2012 uh, all the way up to now, I've really been focusing in on it. And at first, I really just focused in on uh, business principles, um, mm -hmm. internet, the internet business stuff that uh, you mentioned before, because that's really all I knew about affiliate marketing, blogging, that sort of thing. But along the way, I really felt that kind of every area of my life that I've improved really came just down to like simple habits and what I decide to do on a daily basis. So I just one day just decided to make a complete pivot and just focus in on kind of the personal involvement and slash uh, habit space. And and Steve, I have to ask you, I'm not sure if you if you remember, but how many books have you written and published <laughs> until today? That's a hard one to answer. I would say it's over 50 with uh, five or six of them being direct translations of my other books. Uh, 15 or 16 of them were kind of outsourced shorter children's book. Like I tried a third brand that just didn't really take off. But, uh, those are kind of inflating the numbers. But I would say ones that I really directly had a hand in writing or, or did all the writing myself, I would say about 30-ish, so 33, 34. I... I genuinely don't remember i don't really know how many books i have at this point <laughs> and i think you know that's that's what it's incredible about what you do that i think that some of the listeners who are joining us are maybe thinking when they think about a uh, self-publishing author best-selling authors like you are they maybe think about how oh, can okay, you spend an entire year for example working on a single book, but you have a little bit of a different business model where you actually produce and publish several books throughout a year, which I think is great and which also gives you really expertise with Amazon and, and Kindle publishing 
all all way around. And the first question I want to ask you, mentioning all the like the writing process you go throughout the, your whole year, is how do you streamline your your writing process, and you know how do you manage to successfully write and publish? so many books throughout throughout the year i mean you mentioned already over 30 books in, a, in just a couple of years so that's in- incredible um yeah i would say it's really about like systems i, I try to set aside time every single day for writing uh, specifically i'll get up um in the morning do my morning routine and i pretty much have button chair time the first thing in the morning so usually an hour or two of writing and i carve out writing in the afternoon so it's it's really about mm-hmm. just like sticking more to the schedule than more than anything and even though that there are some days where i'm just really not into it i just try to continue just get pushing past that and um really firm believer in tracking all my writing um i've kind of kind of gotten away from that a little bit lately but as far as just calculating word counts on a daily basis and i use the pomodoro technique where 25 minutes on i'll just really you, you literally force yourself to to focus on the single task you don't check facebook or do what do whatever you're just you're with the countdown timer clock you're actually forcing yourself to really just pay attention to the writing and and avoid all distractions so it's for me it's always just really been about about systems and not letting the kind of day-to-day moods get in the way it's just more about just like just sticking to your schedule just knowing that when you actually stick to a schedule, eventually uh, good things will pay off. And just um, you'd be surprised at what daily consistent action can produce over a long period of time. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And, you know, I think that consistency is a key word that has popped up before throughout the podcast because it's something that can really lead to, to big changes. And I want to ask you if there is any, do you use any specific app or tool for, you know, for your uh, writing process? Or do you maybe just use, for example, Word? Uh, I do. I do use uh, Word actually, and I know a lot of people absolutely love Scrivener. And I, I've ta- I actually just recently talked to a guy who has a whole course on learning Scrivener. Uh, so it, you can do a lot with Scrivener. I just I've never really it just never really resonated with me because actually, actually I guess the prime function of Scrivener is you can add a bunch of notes and outlines, and you could do it all through Scrivener. I just kind of prefer the tactile approach of just using pen and paper and index cards as far as outlining and really getting my thoughts uh, together. But I would say the only other app or tool I u- would use besides Word, obviously besides like um, the kind of a few apps that help kind of match my time, the only other app is Evernote. Mm-hmm. And I use that pretty much uh, nonstop as far as adding ideas, kind of filtering through ideas and just keeping track of all the notes and research I do before a book. So that's definitely part part of my process. But I'm actually, I, while I do recommend a lot of apps and stuff throughout my books, I just find that for me, I'm still kind of an old school person. Where I just kind of <laughs> Prefer pen and paper. <laughs> no, it's but it's great, and I think that you're already, you know, really taking us behind behind the scenes of of what you do. You told us already about the Pomodoro technique that you use. So you set up a timer for 25, 30 minutes where you focus exclusively on writing. You told us about some of the the apps or or tools you use, and I think that a question that some of the listeners may ask themselves is about the cost of publishing their first ebook because i'm sure there are people listening to you and i steve that would like to publish their first ebook and they are thinking about it and i know that it's something that you talked about on on your podcast self-publishing questions podcast i think it was episode 16 and guys like always you find the links to everything steve and i talk about in the show notes so steve uh how much does it cost more or less to publish the first ebook on amazon 
I would say you want to pay for three primary things with the third one being optional. Um, the first one absolutely definitely is you want to pay for a good e-cover mm-hmm. and that could be anywhere from five bucks for fiverr.com all the way upwards of 180 to 200, sometimes even $300 for an e-cover. Um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend going the cheapest route. So I, I know you can find decent people on Fiverr. I just really haven't found someone that I, I really absolutely um, wowed me. I just mm-hmm. I prefer kind of my graphics guy, and I we, he and I have a pretty good uh, relationship. So I don't really I just send him the ideas, and he, we kind of work through the ideas together. Um, so I would say a good e cover can cost anywhere from one hundred to one hundred fifty to two hundred dollars. So be definitely prepared to invest in that. Beyond that, I would say you definitely need to get editing on your book. So. Um, editing, I feel, is actually probably the most important step of the whole process. Just mm-hmm. have someone go over the content, um, not only edit the content, but also you send back the edits where you sit down and you actually go through their edits because you can learn a lot just simply by paying attention to what other people um, towards the feedback that you're getting from your editor. And I, actually, that's how I've improved my writing. And the third one, oh, I'm sorry, as far as editing, that what that costs, that could be anywhere from, I would say, Six tenths to eight tenths of a penny, all the way upwards to two cents a word, mm-hmm. and th- that could be upwards of five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred dollars, depending on the size of the book. So, so it definitely costs a good amount. So I'm sure you could find uh, inexpensive editors on elance.com or odesk.com, or maybe Barter Services was another editor. But it, I would definitely recommend absolutely investing in good edits for your book. And then the f- the third one, and that's kind of an optional, is actually formatting for your book and. Uh, you can you can actually go to Fiverr or, or someone or a website like that and find someone fairly inexpensive for formatting. And I just use the same team that kind of puts together my print version, my audio version. So I just trust that they, they know what they're doing. So I just I go with them. But um, I would say those are three things you would absolutely need to pay for getting started. And everything beyond that is extra. But I would say just uh, just the bare minimum of just getting that stuff out there. I'd say probably to answer your question is anywhere from five hundred to six hundred seven hundred dollars in that range. Okay, love it. So you you talked about the the cover, you talked about the editing of the book, and the third part, which is the optional part you talk about, is the formatting. And let me ask you, uh, Steve, something about the cover. I I remember I followed your session on author uh, author marketing live, and there was also uh, Derek Murphy that I know you know as well, who was here on the podcast, and he talked about do it yourself uh, book marketing. And he talked about the the cover, the importance of of a good cover, and what having a good cover can do in terms of increasing the sales. And I wanted to ask you if, since you have published so many uh, so many books and also on so many different topics, is there something that you've learned in terms of of what makes a good cover for a nonfiction book? Um, I'm not sure I could really do a good job answering a question. I feel almost anything that Derek recommends, I would absolutely say just listen to him more than me. Um, <laughs> uh, honestly, he he just he knows so much about cover design. I've heard him speak live, and actually, I, I've I've checked out his content enough that I know he absolutely 100% knows what he's talking about. Um, so I would say rec- anything he would recommend, I would say is probably good advice. That said, I would say um, pretty much anything that attracts your interest would be considered a good cover. So if you're looking online and you see something like, oh, wow, that, that anything you, you naturally want to click on and check out more, in my opinion, that's a good cover. And I would say the counter argument to that is a lot of times I've seen a lot of self-published authors that they will go the Fiverr route, even though people, you know, even though a lot of us tell you, 
people not to, they still will do it. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at a book, it just doesn't, it seems kind of cheesy, seems amateurish. That's really the absolute worst message you could give to your audience. It's, I, I almost like to think that cover design is almost an investment because with a good cover design, you will more than make your money back because people will go on to buy your book yeah. and you'll make it back. It's, it's, you have to think long term of this stuff, not short term. But I would say that the, the quickest answer is just anything you feel is like, Oh, wow, that looks really interesting. You click on it and, uh, so I would say if you're really interested in finding good coverage, just simply go to Amazon, poke around the different categories where you're playing publishing, just see what's out there selling, see what attracts your attention. Okay, love it. And obviously you mentioned <laughs> Derek's expertise and guys, again, you find the links to everything, including the podcast episode with Derek Murphy in the show notes. And you, Steve, you talked already about the 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 kind of going for a cheap cover as a, a mistake some self-publishing authors, especially beginners ones, uh, do. Are there some other uh, marketing mistakes that you've seen often uh, self-publishing authors do on Amazon? I would say a couple of things. Um, kind of what we talked about before, not ha- having your book edited. And that's actually, I'll be very honest, I didn't do that early on. I just assumed that me proofreading it a bunch of times and having someone just lightly go over it would be enough. And it really wasn't enough. And a number of reviewers let me know in no certain terms that it, I needed to get it edited. So that was, <laughs> that was a mistake I made. I would say going out there and just trying to replicate what everyone else does. And uh, I've had this a lot happen to me where just people go out, see, see my titles, see the scope of my book, and they just try, literally just try uh, taking my entire brand and publishing as their own. And I don't, hmm. I think that's a mistake, not for the simple fact that, I, you know, there's not really being original, but the simple fact that they're not being unique. They're not, they're not saying anything that's really um, different than everyone else. They're just trying to, I guess, ride on the coattails. So I would say just getting on there, having a clear established idea of what you want to do with your brand and just providing unique content, like really, Instead of just trying to see what everyone else out there is doing, find a market that is doing well on Amazon, but finding a way to actually provide your own unique spin on the content. So um, I'm trying to think beyond that. And then I would say just kind of the Bush League stuff, like just uh, doing a bunch of reviews, flops. Um, I would say anytime that pe- I see people taking shortcuts and trying to not build a lasting business, I would feel that's kind of a mistake. They're not, they're not really in it for the long game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, and Steve, I want to ask you, you about the brand because you talked about, about the brand that people sometimes just trying to, you know, kind of copy pasting what you do. And I remember that there was an episode, one of the new episodes actually of, of the self publishing questions podcast where you, where so, what someone asked you because uh, Steve's podcast is, it's a daily podcast and it's so that he really taps into his audience and every episode someone asks a question and Steve answers the question on the show which is great and I remember that someone asked you you know about the brand and the question was something like author name versus author brand which one is better for self-publishing authors so what, what is your you know your tip for for the listeners of this podcast I would say uh, definitely author name. Um, I'm trying to remember back to what I actually said in the episode. I might be contradicting myself. No, I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes. So, guys, if there is some contradiction, no worries. <laughs> I, I do. I do tend to, to rattle these off, and some of the sometimes there's stream of consciousness. But I, honestly, I feel long term wise, it's be- best to go with just um, kind of building a brand around you as an authority. And I, I, I feel that we're almost getting to the point now that there's actually so much content out there that people. 
um, not only do they want the answers to the questions, but they want to make sure that they're getting it from a valid source. So mm-hmm. it's almost we're almost at a point where people you need to build a podcast, you need to build a blog, you need to build uh, books, you need to build around like your unique your unique authority and what you have to share with the world. And it's almost better to necessarily you don't have to go out and register a domain just with your name, but you should go out there and. Uh, make, let people know that this is such and such website with so and so. Like so, so now, I, I try to always have the introduction be self-publishing questions with Steve Scott. So mm-hmm. I try to I try to th- get a little bit of that keyword love that uh, self-publishing question or self-publishing is a major keyword. So I'm hopefully long-term wise get some traffic for that word. But I also try to brand myself also as an expert. So I think actually the long-term answer to that is really try to do a little bit of both. Try to not only tackle one particular um, type of uh, niche, but also brand yourself as an expert within that niche. I love it. So to really add a little bit of spicy with with your personal brand. And again, as I said earlier, uh, we have talked about how many books you've published, you know, Amazon, in and out. And I want to ask you, uh, you are a best-selling author. And do you have any tips in terms of what can, uh, what the listeners can do to rank higher on Amazon? Uh, for me, honestly, it's always been about the email list and building a brand, and mm-hmm. it's really it's really the un- unsexiest answer in the world because it takes a lot of effort and a lot of time. But I just find find that uh, whenever I launch a book or whenever I hold a sales events, and actually sales events kind of one of my new um, income like uh, unit increase strategy as far as uh, driving up sales in the lull between book launches. But just having an email list and having a following on uh, social media, I really think that it's just having people that are there whenever you're ready to have a book to actually tap into that crowd that you kind of can control and just tell them, Hey, I have a book coming out. Um, can you please go check it out at for free or for 99 cents to go leave a review? I just think that having that database there is really super important. So I try to actually, um, structure my entire business around building email lists. And uh, lately I've actually really gotten into Facebook ads as far as trying to use tra- uh, paid traffic to get people to join my email list that when I'll have more people next time I have a Kindle book out. But I would say uh, the best analogy I've ever given is just kind of picture an old fashioned like wagon wheel for the people in the United States, you know, westward ho just going out in those giant wagons the wheels mm-hmm. had these giant spokes in the middle and um if you picture almost like your business being the this the center spoke uh just and just everything should point at your email list so every kindle book should point at your email list every podcast episode every blog post every uh, i wouldn't necessarily say you, you don't want to hop on social media you want to go on the twitters and facebook and start promoting your email list but you should at least promote a piece of content that indirectly leads your email list so you should really almost consider your email list to be the, the central hub of your web of your business not necessarily the platform that you're currently on. Steve, I'm having a great time and learning so much from you. And before we continue, let's take a second to thank today's sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by audible.com. Go over to audibletrial.com slash 360entrepreneur to get a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial to try Audible. You will get access to a catalog of well over 150,000 audiobooks that you can download and listen on your iPhone, Android device, MP3 player or Kindle. The book I want to recommend today is kind of a classic. If you're an entrepreneur or if you're actually dreaming of building a business, this is a must read or in this case, it's a must listen. Is The $100 Startup by Chris Gillibo. So simply go to audibletrial.com slash 360entrepreneur, get the free audiobook download and the free 30-day trial. And, and Steve, talking about email list and email marketing, 
I have to mention your book, Email Marketing Blueprint, because even though you wrote it a couple of years ago, it's still very relevant and you have so many golden nuggets there specifically to email marketing. And I want to ask you if you can share maybe one or two email marketing practices that you use as an author that the listeners can use as well if they are authors or if they are about to publish their first book. I would say um, I actually... Because I remember writing that, and I I remember kind of my opinions have changed since then. I would say pro- probably in there, I, I think I, I I probably talked about having a long autoresponder sequence. I just find for Kindle publishing, it's better to have a shorter email sequence. So I would say ten to fourteen days. Just introduce uh, introduce yourself as as an author, because uh, you never know how people are going to find you. They might not have even read your Kindle books. They might just have found you through an interview like this or through a blog post. So. Introduce yourself as an author. I'll provide, I always have a lead magnet, so provide obviously the download to the lead magnet. And I like to keep the first email short and to the point, respect their time. And I try to follow up the, I'm trying to, I've been playing around sequence lately, so I'm trying to think the exact sequence, but <laughs> one of the immediate follow ups should be a free ebook. So there's a tactic they can use with Amazon, just simply give away a book permanently for free. And then um, I actually do have a podcast episode. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the link later. I think it's mm-hmm. episode eight off the top of my head. I forget. Um, but you, like just having a permanently free book kind of, warms up anyone that might not know you and gives them a piece of high value and hopefully they'll go on to read your free book and if they like your free book they'll go on to buy your paid book so i try to have a, a, an early on sequence where that you know introduce people to your free book and then perhaps um have a really detailed kind of engaging story so i have a pretty long email just simply titled how habits saved my life and it's pretty personalized <laughs> uh, pretty personalized story i like to think it, it engages people and then i forget what the fourth one is but i guess the point here is i try to keep the email sequence nice and short because i'm always I, I always have something new to offer i have a new sales event i have a new book that i'm launching so I, i'm trying to keep the sequence short so they go through that people go through that sequence and then they immediately put into kind of what's currently happening with my business so I would say a lot of times just email marketing has just gotten tough where it's just people, you can get people engaged with an autoresponder sequence, but it's just their tension spans are getting less and less. So I just, I find it's better to not necessarily hit them over the head with an offer, but at least kind of get them into the, hey, I have books to buy, you should check them out kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. I, I know it sounds a little mercenary like that, but you really, <laughs> I, I know, I remember some sequences that would take three weeks before you actually present them with an offer and eventually like there's actually a really big name person and I want to go buy his product, but his email sequence is so long. I must've (laughs) lost his offer link. I don't know what happened to it. And and he turned me from ready to buy his into the well into the thousand dollar product range. And I didn't buy it simply because I I couldn't find a damn link to go buy his product and it it wasn't offered on his blog. So I was like, you know, (laughs) like I would have loved to bought been a customer of yours, but you know, some your sequence is just too involved. (laughs) <laughs> no, but Steve, really, you're giving us so much food for thoughts. And guys, again, you you heard, even when Steve was talking about his email and marketing strategies, the autoresponder series, he still talked about his personal brand. You talked about the email that you use kind of to talk a little bit more about yourself and that you give away a free book so that you don't you know, you don't sound salesy, you don't push, you know, your paid content right there at the beginning. And I have a couple more questions for you, Steve, before we wrap up this episode. And and one is about negative reviews. I remember you you had a, a podcast interview with Pat Flynn on, on the Smart Passive Income and Pat was here with us on episode 14. And uh, you talked about how you deal with negative reviews. And I think that was a great 
takeaway that I was like, yeah, I have, I, I made a note to, to remember to ask you about that because I'm sure that it's something that some of the listeners who are self-publishing authors are maybe kind of struggling with if they get a negative review, they're wondering what should I do with it? So Steve, what should they do? <laughs> it's, it's, that's always a hard one to answer because I, I would be very hypocritical if I said ignore them because I haven't ignored them. <laughs> uh, I would say early on, they're way more important than later on. Like I just, I, I actually don't, since that podcast episode, I've gotten the point. I, I, unless it's a very new book, I don't really look at the reviews on my book. I actually couldn't tell you, uh, some of the negative reviews on, uh, the more recent ones because I just don't mm-hmm. simply know. I just, I, I choose to kind of keep my head in the space where I just need to focus on what's important and not listen to the maybe a few people that just don't like what I do. Uh, that said, obviously, early on with the new book, I definitely pay attention to it. I would say <laughs> it, it's hard because you, you, you want to pay attention to it. You, you want to be able to fix mistakes that you can fix. So if it says formatting, obviously you want to fix your format. If it says this book, uh, I, if you get a lot of the same negative reviews, uh, then maybe start paying attention to them. But the occasional person that says this book sucks and they spell it S-U-X, like, no, <laughs> don't take it with a grain of salt. Take it from the person that, that's reviewing. And sometimes they're actually the, the reviews that bother me most are the well thought out well um written reviews and there's nothing i can critique the other person on because they, they have valid points but i would say early on you you definitely want to pay attention to reviews try not to let it get to you i know it happens um it, it's just part of being a self-published author but as you kind of move forward to business as you start having more books out there try not to be so um so wrapped up into the, the minutiae with that so mm-hmm. i'm not too sure if this is a good specific piece of advice but if i remember back to the interview i did with pat it's I actually I haven't even looked at it, but I have my uh, my VA. She creates a file of all the negative reviews on my book, and I just look at it once a month. It was like it's kind of like that ripping off a bandaid all at once. But <laughs> I, I haven't even I should probably have her stop doing that because I haven't even looked at that in months. But that was kind of my 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 stopgap strategy to not always look at reviews. But I, w- I would say, like I said, just early on f- worry about them, but later on don't don't worry about them so much. Okay, so guys, make sure make sure to look for those with the with the S U X told us. No, seriously, Steve. The the last question I I have for you it's about uh, a new, a relatively new way of increasing book sales, which are these sales events, and there are websites, for example, like Buck Books. Uh, yeah, that's buckbooks.net. Yeah, that's my buddy, uh, Matt, oh. Matt Stone and Rob Archangel. And Okay, perfect. <laughs> and I know that you, you take part uh, with, with those, uh, at those events. So guys, for those of you who don't know about it, uh, basically every now and then they are, they organize a sort of, of online gathering of authors where you can find bundles of books on specific topics for, for example, 99 cents a book. And I know, Steve, that it's something that you have used and you have leveraged. Uh, you know, sales event, uh, sales event to increase like in book sales. So do you have some, some tips for the listeners on, or maybe first of all, what those sales events have done for you and, you know, what, why the listeners should go about those? I would say, well, uh, a couple of things. I would say, first off, don't, um, if you're just getting started, don't even really worry about them. I would say mm-hmm. it's, it's more important just to get, a couple of books out there, get, start building up your crowd, start building up your email list. I, I think that's more important. Uh, my, kind of my idea behind the sales events and how they can help. I think it's more, kind, more towards the media to advanced, uh, writer, someone that just kind of needs extra traction for their books. That said, if you have a book that you feel can really add value to, um, 
a specific event for the Buck Books crowd, I would say maybe submit to them, but I know they're they're pretty backlogged with a lot of requests. I'm not too sure how they're even handling it over there. But um, I would say for me, it's really kind of like an advanced strategy where I do have the email list. I do have the kind of traction. I am playing around with uh, Facebook ads where I'm willing to spend some money to get people to go to these events that um, I, I can use to kind of get a, generate a lot of sales in a short amount of time. And it kind of not only does it um, increase sales on Amazon, it get, kind of helps me get a little more visibility and a little traction on Amazon. But also, it's kind of a way to reward people on my email list. People have been following me for a while. That uh, yeah, they might have bought a couple of books at a, at a high price, but now they can go back and get the rest of the catalog at a lower price. And it's just I'm I'm trying to build as much of a brand as possible with uh, with mm-hmm. my crowd and trying to co- constantly reward them with. Uh, with my older back catalog stuff, knowing that I am continuously publishing. And um, if I help them out now down the road when I have a new book, they'll perhaps go at it, buy, buy it at a full price or um, the, the, the launch price or that sort of thing. I just, I'm not, I don't quite have a formulated thought with actually how sales events will work in the whole, um, the whole ecosystem within self publishing. I just, I think it's kind of a cool thing that I'm doing right now. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it definitely has seemed to move the dial, but I would say do that, but then also try to try to find other ways where you can kind of leverage the the buck books or leverage sites leverage sites like uh, BookBub. It gets really confusing because the two names are really similar. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and there's a lot of other paid uh, book sites that are out there. It's just it's almost a matter of going out there and testing each one of them until you find ones that seem to work for you. And and if you are a self publishing author or you've been thinking about writing a book. Make sure to go to the show notes and you find the link to Steve's daily podcast, Self-Publishing Questions with Steve Scott. Now I add that element of personal branding there, <laughs> Steve, so that you you really get more tips. And even if you have questions, you can uh, send a tweet to Steve on Twitter at stevescott1, or you can even submit your question for his podcast and you, might, you may be uh, listening to Steve answering your question on the podcast. And Steve, the last thing I want to mention, and thank you for, for that, is your Kindle publishing checklist. It's a, a report that you've made available for uh, for all of us that you guys, you find it in the show notes. And it's Kindle publishing checklist, the 46 step plan for turning an idea into a best selling book. So as the title suggests, Steve, that's a great resource for not only kind of brainstorming, but really turning an idea into a bestseller. Yeah, I, I tried actually that that whole uh, giveaway kind of came from something I use internally. So every time I come up with a book idea, I just print out these two pieces of paper. It actually is the it's I have my own variation. I have a couple of little secret sauce things I include just on my list, but uh, mm-hmm. I do have this um, this one list that just takes me from idea. All right, have you done this? Have you checked your keywords? Have you have you figured out a, a book title? Have you uh, and it's almost like you just literally print it out and you just cross off each one of these items and actually inside the the PDF I actually include instructions on how I actually use one of these steps. So it's just something I've used all myself all the time, and I'm not even sure if people. I really haven't got much feedback as far as people are actually using it or not, but I just found it's something that's really kind of part of my whole process has really helped me break down the idea of having a book idea and actually how to take that book idea and put it into a completed form on Amazon. Okay, so guys, once you've used the Kindle publishing checklist, make Steve Scott know. Again, he's on Twitter <laughs> at Steve Scott number one, or simply go to stevescottsite.com. You can sign up there to the newsletter or go to developgoodhabits.com. 
for more tips on on his habits part of his business and you can contact him there as well. Steve, thank you so much for being with us today and telling us, first of all, more about all the great things you do and for sharing some tips on successful Kindle publishing. Well, thanks for having me on, Jan. All right, everybody, we are back. Steve, I had a blast talking to you in person. After being a fan for quite some time, I had a great time. Thanks for everything you do for your new podcast and for being here with us and providing us with so much value. And guys, I said it at the beginning. I just want to remind you that you can find the show notes, free resources, and this episode's worksheet at 360entrepreneur.net slash episode 19. Make sure to get your free download there. As I said earlier, this episode wraps up this mini-series about book marketing and self-publishing. And the next episode, episode 20, we're going to talk about something everybody's interested in. We're going to talk about how to build authority. And last but not least, I have a small accomplishment to share with you because it's actually also thank to you that I've accomplished this. I was featured by Driven to Betters. They've created a list of top 50 influencers in new business podcasts for April 2015. Well, guess what? Your pal Jan was featured as number five. And if I'm there, it's also because of you. So thank you for your reviews, for your subscription on the podcast, for your Facebook likes, for your tweets. Thank you for your support. You rock. I'm Jan, and what can I say? Come back the next episode. Thank you for listening to the 360 Entrepreneur Podcast. For more tips and tools, head over to www.360entrepreneur.net. 